Okay, ready? <coughs> You're just going to drop this into the episode at the beginning. Sure. Who's going to start? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll you start. seem I'll like start. you were ready I'll to start. go. I'll start. You know, remember right... Okay, hold on. This is the beginning of the show. Hey, welcome to Beer in a Movie. Before we get started, do you remember right before the pandemic, we were going to do a screening, a public screening in our town, Corpus Christi, Texas, of... Uh, Santa Sangre. Yeah. To Jodorowsky. Have, have a Jodorowsky yeah. event. And then we had yeah. to cancel it because of the pandemic. It's going to be like a meetup. Yeah. We're going to do a meetup and you watch the movie with us and then yeah. you're going to hear us talk about it on the show. Yeah. We're doing that now. For uh, something that is... We've been talking about for months. Only makes sense. And very fitting for Beer in a Movie. So we are... Uh, Encouraging everyone to come watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with us on Sunday, April 24th. April 24th at 3 p.m. Corpus Christi Alamo Draft House. We're going to sell up, that theater Show up out. early. Show, show up, up early. early. Uh, first of all, you should always get to a film early, at least a half an hour early. At the Alamo especially. Well, at the Alamo, yeah. 15 minutes at Century. But we're going to get there an hour early. Drink a beer. We'll be there at 2 p.m. at the bar, kicking it, signing autographs. We've got eight by tens on our faces. Yeah, so that will not happen. That will not happen. But yeah. we'll be there hanging out before the movie. Then we're all going to watch the movie together. If you are so inclined, um, very excited about that because really, I mean, first of all, just seeing Santa Sangre on a big screen would have been cool, um, and getting to see Yodorowsky together with an audience, something that kind of like crazy. We were so excited about it and then so disappointed when we realized it wasn't going to happen. So finally, two years later, we're able to kind of Nicholas Cage, make it happen finally. And it's for Nick Cage, Lord and Savior. (laughs) Yes. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard, but I am only one of three. I'm joined, as always, by Dave Gurney and Carlos Cooper. And boy, do we have an episode for you tonight. A new film from one of our favorite directors, one of his older films, and two... Well, I can't fill in the adjective for the beers until we taste them, but why don't we get right to it? Yeah, why don't we, right? Um, This is an exciting week because we've never had this brewery on the... Always fun when we can add another brewery to the list. I love that. Um, But this is one that I think all of us have had off mic before. No? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, two of us From this brewery period or this beer? At least this beer. Okay. The the brewery's not leaping to mind, but I, I, I drink a lot. Well, so the brewery I'm talking about, let's let's stop beating around the bush here, is Eighth Wonder Brewery. It is out of Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The Eighth Wonder, of course, being a reference to the Astrodome. Sure. Uh, which this structure that when it was built back in the 1960s mm-hmm. was sort of hailed as this marvel of engineering and, uh, you know, new stadium technology. It was a, it was a marvel. The Eighth Wonder of the World. Um, I lived in Houston, and me and some buddies split season tickets for that season of the Astros mm-hmm. 
in the last year they were played there. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. So and then some we fond couldn't memories afford the season tickets for the next field, <laughs> when they which was called Enron Field, but is now Minute Maid yeah, Park. Yeah. I, <laughs> I forgot about Enron. I never lived. I didn't live in the state. I don't think when it was Enron yeah, Field. Was so a, I don't remember. I know it's Minute Maid Park. I'll tell a lovely Enron story in After Hours. Today. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Green Movie Podcast. For all of Joe's lovely Enron stories. Oh, I but, got some. So anyhow, we have 8th Wonder Brewery out of Houston. Um, but they don't typically distribute down to our area in South Texas, at least not until recently. But this one just popped up on the shelves. And it's one that I have had in the past when I've been up in Houston. Carlos even went to the extent of saying that he had quite a bit of it when he was on his uh, bachelor party weekend, right? Yeah. This was helping fuel the whole extravaganza. It did. Appropriately enough, it is called Rocket Fuel. It is a Vietnamese coffee porter. Mm. 5.0 ABV. Um you know, coffee porter guys has my interest already, totally. and yeah. uh, a brewery just up the road from here. I like that. Um, the reason why, well, we'll get into maybe why it goes so well with the film. But as we pour it here, are you getting the coffee on the nose? Hmm. I always like the check with the coffee porter. It's a beautiful uh, hint. Hint of coffee. Hint. It's a beautiful dark pour. It's got a great head to glass ratio. Mm-hmm. A hint of coffee on the nose. It's not overwhelming I'll, me. Yeah, like, I'll agree. It's yeah. not. It's not as robust on the nose as uh, I remember it. Honestly. So in thirty uh, seconds, let's David. What's the difference between a porter and a stout? Okay, let's just move <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, the old, the old conundrum. Um, so, so we're sipping on this, or we're, we will be sipping on this because we are watching a film that very much takes place in Houston, mm-hmm. very oh. nostalgically very... takes place in Houston at the very era of the dawn of. The eighth wonder of the world. Yes, this is true. Very uh, references it directly as the eighth wonder of the world. So this is a new film written and directed by Richard Linkletter. Uh, It is called Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. And it's a coming-of-age story, as you know we love here on this show, set in the suburbs of Houston uh, in the summer of 1969, and it kind of revolves around uh, the Apollo 11 landing on uh, the moon, which, uh, as we know, was... A small step for man, but a giant leap for mankind. That's that's what and, they said. Yeah. Uh, that's what he said. You know, in, in the suburb in which they live, uh, that's you know around the Clear Lakeish area. It's like in that vicinity of kind of the kind of East Houston, uh, just a hop, near skip, and a jump from Galveston. Yeah, yeah. near the Johnson Space Center, all that kind of stuff. Um, most of the town's economy revolves around NASA and what right. have you. Yeah. So like. Our ma- our protagonist's dad is a guy that works there, and all his friends' parents also work there in some capacity. Not necessarily engineers or astronauts, but you know, there's a lot that it takes Absolutely. to keep a space. One of my friends' moms helped make the spacesuits. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's a- uh, that's it because at. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing I'd want to capture for the listeners in the synopsis is to say there is this sort of parallel element of this fantasy that the boy's having about him being called into a mission. So this, yeah. So what what sparks the, what the trailer shows you? What sparks the narrative is that uh, they built this the space shuttle a little too small, right? And so they needed a kid to pilot it, and these you know guys from NASA come to his. 
uh, school and recruit him specifically because right. uh, he's small enough to fit into the thing, but he can't tell his parents. He can't tell his friends. He had a fantastic presidential fitness uh, three score. years in a row. Three yeah. years yeah. in a row. And, and yeah. so he's go, he's got this scholarship to summer camp, and they're going to send him to the moon. And then as the actual moon landing is happening, he's like, "Oh, I'm the only people that I'm the only person on Earth that understands what they're going through, and I can't tell anybody." And yeah, it's this whole thing. First um, of all, bull- well, oh, sorry. the people that I or I watched it with my sister-in-law Cassidy, friend of the show, and my wife, and um, there was much discussion at the end of it as to whether in the world of this film <laughs> he actually went to the moon or not. It was very divisive. Really? Oh, wow. You came down a different... Yeah, that's interesting. It certainly presented the narrative as presented as if he is doing the training and if he... As if a... There was a ten and a half a secret mission. I don't know how it would have been a secret because everyone in town would have seen that <laughs> rocket launch. But that he was manning yeah. the air, the spacecraft and did indeed land on the moon yeah. to test out issue. the you know the, the upcoming Apollo eleven launch, which of course Neil Armstrong etc. Right. did it did it successfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting that that y'all had a lively uh, discussion. I, I guess I, I mean I'll throw in there. I didn't question, I assumed it was kind of a childhood fantasy thing that we were just seeing depicted, but that was, that but was it, it wouldn't bother me if somebody interpreted it like it was trying to tell me a straightforward story about this untold story of a boy going to the moon before. Yeah, I landed on the fantasy side of it, and it was when I said that that Cassidy was like, oh, I thought that in oh, the world of this film he really went. And then Kylie was kind of like yeah i kind of thought so too but i could i also could have saw saw you know was, i think I, potentially I was in the to... mind of the character it happens the, the, one way or the other there and uh, that's interesting I, i'm glad and i'm glad that it kind of i think okay so okay so now's the part where we talk about how we feel about the film and then well, get before into we do that i think so yeah. well and also i think it's important to say uh, it's animated it, yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's particularly yeah. animated in a way right which is Based on rotoscope, but I guess they used motion capture in a way that rotoscope. You know, it wasn't yeah. literally. It people, looks a bit the but same, but it looks very, it very similar. More they of went a two D element this time. Very yes, flat two D animation, mm-hmm. but modeled after actual actors, kind of moving through. So all that to say, it has like a dreamlike quality to the imagery of it. So I can totally buy the idea that oh, the fantasy feels as real as the real scenes do. It all kind of blends together. How would I differentiate these things? It's all kind of one piece. In the world of that, I can understand why Cassidy is saying... I think it's just a straightforward story about this secret mission that. This well, boy the trailer on. presents it as that story. That's all yeah. you really know sure. about this movie. Is well, and there's nothing that, that tells you, pokes the hole in the balloon and mm-hmm. says, "Oh, this never actually happened." But that's not even like what the majority of the screen time of this mm-hmm. film is. Is the Agreed. pursuit of that mission right. what the movie is really about? Oh, well, here we go. What takes up most of the screen time is a a memory piece narrated by the adult Stan, who's voiced by Jack Black. Right. About lots of voiceover in about this one, being folks. a kid in 1969 <laughs> that's what the film is about being yeah. a kid in 1969 sure. specifically in houston around nasa but this could have probably applied to a lot of different areas around america sure. uh what exactly did that look like what was i watching on tv what did a family my size do about food and packing lunches for my siblings yeah what did the 
fast food establishments? What was it like riding my bike with no boundaries and no parental control? Mm-hmm. What was it like with the this this level of violence that was at the the playground politics and the coach and the corporal punishment and Red Rover, Red Rover, let Johnny come over until one of us gets a compound fracture? You know, it is just no, these. That guy broke his arm. <laughs> yeah, there was bone coming out. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just this specific. Minutia, yeah, of that time period. Sure, it's unlike any movie I've ever seen before. When I was in middle school in 2006, we still had corporal punishment. Really? I got licks. We did a lot. not have that in the Northeast. Midland, I got licks Midland, a lot. Texas, baby. I believe it. Midland, but wow, Texas. so you've been paddled by, I, I, by I, an administrator. I oh. Yeah, I got licks a lot. And in high school, they were going to give me licks one more time, and I said no. Let's call my parents, and I was allowed to leave without that phone call. I mean, <laughs> wow. I think all of that, most of that, has been phased out at, out, oh, yeah. at least yeah. where we live. But I would be shocked if it was still going on. But I, but 2006, I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I too was shocked. I was not. <laughs> I was not happy about it. But wow. So all. you hadn't heard that it was a thing until then. You go to Midland and. Well, yeah, because I was, I was born here. Yeah. And then I lived in Tucson for a year, and then I moved to Midland. And in Midland, sixth grade was still part of elementary school. Uh-huh. So I guess it was. I mean, it went. I was there until 2006. But when I got to junior high school, which was seventh and eighth grade, there, yeah. uh, I found out Ooh. that that was a thing that they did. Because I'm also keep in mind, in sixth grade, when in Midland, I was there for two months. I just like finished out a school year because uh, of the time in which we moved. So, I when I remember hearing that, I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with these people?" <laughs> I was like so shocked, and like right. I and like I I went home and said something to my mom about it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not happening." And I was like, "Well, I mean, yeah, no, it's." Uh, I never uh, misbehave, so it's uh, not yeah. even an issue. I've I've literally never done anything wrong in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but how much of kids' lives at school? I, I you... think were you just being portrayed by uh, Jenny Slate right there, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe uh, Ben. Uh, Sh- uh, um, John Ralphio, yes, ben thank Schwartz, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ben How much of a kid's life being delivered to a a, a building full of parental um, figures mm-hmm. from your parents is just the acquiescence of? I guess if they're going to hit me with that board, they're going to hit me with that board. I must have done something in the societal. Sure. Contract yeah. that existed at the time that that warrant that that is accurate and and good behavior. Right. All um, right. We yeah. Gotta, we we got to stop beating around the bush. This movie sucks. Really? Okay. It, it just straight up sucks. It, I, oh. Wow. It's it's really bad. Hmm. I I'm out on this guy. I'm. Uh, You're out on Richard Linklater. I'm out on him. <laughs> Well, after Bernadette and this, At- if you didn't like it, I can understand. Did you like? You no, know, you did not like Bernadette. I lo- uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that Bernadette, and, and I went back and listened to because back in episode 53, there was a new the new release was uh, Where Did You Go, Bernadette? Yeah, yeah. And then the second half was kind of a meandering tour through Linklater's career. We brought, discussed brought, Days brought and Confused overview. for about brought five over. minutes. Yeah, broad overview. Yeah. Um, I Carlos, I, I one of the questions I wrote down was, does the distance away from the time period affect your point of view on it? I have the opposite reaction of you for this movie. Okay. I thought this movie was a joy. Mm. I never stopped smiling. And when we pushed pause one time 
because it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix release. I don't mm-hmm. know if we said that. Thank God I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> then I, I think we had to get a drink refill or go to the bathroom or something. I literally said out loud, oh my God, I love this so much. Are you enjoying this as much as me? Mm. And she, and my partner there was. That's cool. Uh, I, I felt that the animation, I, I was lukewarm, to be honest, with Waking Life and A Scan of Darkly, the other two times that he's uh. done an animated film in his kind of now wide career. But... This time, the animation fit the story he was telling. I think it would have been a lot more boring and a lot more, a lot less interesting if we were watching live actors talk about this minutia of the time period the way that they were. But I, you have to understand, I, Carlos. I agree with you about that. Astro World was one of my biggest things in life. No, I get it. I get um, it. Yeah, you know. Um, riding bikes with no parental guidance and 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 some of the things i saw in the on the playground scenes and the, yeah, the, I, the i'm 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 from an era where that was not lost yet okay good we still good for you rode bikes uninhibited we got into all sorts of hoodlum things you know uh i, thought, I thought this movie was such a joy i Truthfully, I would love to see the 79 version and the 89 well, version and the 99 so I'm, version. So I'm, I'm understanding what Joe loves about it. I Carlos has just said it's bad. I want to hear what makes it bad. I had a hard time keeping my eyes open. That's uh, Carlos in the theater these days. Oh, no, you know, you wouldn't no, have No, this theater. was at home. Yeah. This was at home. I could pause. I could get up. I could do whatever I wanted. Um, so the movie is billed as like, a kid goes to the moon, right? Like you said, yeah. when we watch the trailer, that's what we see. That's interesting. A, the, it's This movie is incredibly tedious because it's just a guy talking. It's just a guy narrating things that we're seeing. It's literally everything that like filmmaking is about, like show, don't tell. This movie throws out the window and is like, no, I'm just going to tell you everything that you're seeing as if you're not astute enough to like it. And, and because it's, I, I felt talked at the entire time. And because of that, it, it just was incredibly dull to me. Like I like, we've talked about before. I like coming of age movies. Oh yeah. I like, Though I don't think Th- this, this is as... I, I think you can roughly call this coming of age. They call but it it's a coming actually, of age movie. I hear you, but, I, but, but hear me. I think it's more of a pre-coming of age movie. This is like the boy's last boyishness moment mm-hmm. before he becomes an adult. Sure. I don't think he's turning a page here. Like it, th- This is more him in the closing... Especially if you interpret it as fantasy. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So that, I'll just add that. I do, yeah. yeah. Which, is, which, is, which is a fair point. Uh, and I agree with you on that. Um... Now, so like something a movie like The Sandlot does really well is it has that voiceover narration from the older person, like the older version of our right. protagonist's perspective. Manic. But it also has better misogyny. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but they strike the balance of like hearing the older version talk about the time and the place. And, and then letting their, the kids and, let, and, then, and, and the, then letting us watch yeah. what's happening. This, you know what I mean? Right, so right, right. This one has no balance of that. It's just talking at you the whole time. Okay. And... I can't argue with you. You're right. Yeah. It took me a second to get over. That's Jack Black. That's Jack Black. Jack that's Black. Jack Black. But doing once a, I doing could. Doing a kind of Texas twang too, which is interesting. Doing a There's Texas a twang. A little bit of that. And, but, and toning down his Jack Blackedness, I yes. think, a lot. But ultimately, my biggest issue with this movie is that there's really no conflict. Like, there's yeah, no... Right. A character doesn't change. A character doesn't overcome an obstacle. A character isn't challenged in any way. It's... 
just like watching a kid do stuff animated, which is like, which is just not interesting to me. And ooh, I, I can't wait to hear what the second half of this episode is. It's like. just it's it's not it, it's not it's not interesting to me. And because it's animated, mm-hmm. and we don't have the like getting to see like because we've watched plenty of movies on this show mm-hmm. where I didn't like the movie, but I can appreciate someone's performance or I can appreciate this or that. This I can't appreciate really any performances Correct. in this because it's voiceover. I, d- and so I it disagree kinda, with that, but it, uh, but I'll, I'll say why in a moment. I'll let you continue. And but. so it kind of takes that away from me. So that so with the overall conceit of it being lacking for me, it doesn't leave me with a lot of other things to grab onto to get me through the runtime, which is not really that long in this case. And right, ninety-seven minutes, pretty. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's a shame. I mean, tight. I. Saying I'm out on Richard Linklater is probably a bit hyperbolic, but the last maybe, few, so. maybe but, a little bit. But but the last few things he's done have been like exceptionally underwhelming, in my opinion. I know that I'm out on the fringes on this one, but I, we all agreed where'd you go, Bernadette was not good. Um, I, I defended D- David it liked bit. it the most. I defended <laughs> it a little bit, as, and, and, and I still- as as per usual, as per usual. <laughs> um, but I just like you know, it's a shame because Bernie's so good, and it's like. Link letter and Jack Black. There's a lot thing. of things that he's done that are fantastic that I know you haven't seen yet, unless you've caught up with that before trilogy. I since know. we talked I've got about the it in episode in my room 53. And I it. But 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 that's that's so I he, those I, are my feelings. I though. hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I think the the thing is, I, there's a couple things, right? I I think I I fall somewhere between you two, closer to Joe, but not as wowed as it wowed by it as Joe is. Um, and I think part of that gets to what you're saying, Carlos. I do think there is a bit of an imbalance there when it comes to how heavily laden it is with the voiceover. I think that it could have stood to have opened up more of those moments with the boy and maybe developed some of his friend characters or maybe even some more of the family members. The dad gets developed okay, and the mom in there. And I do think those are two of the standout performances for me. Bill Wise as the dad here. Um, yeah, he did a great job. And uh, the, I'm going to, the Eddie is the mom character. I did like the dad. And I think both of those do a really nice job. And I like Bill, Bill Wise has showed up in a bunch of Linklater films in the past. And I've always liked him as kind of a presence. And so I was excited for that. You know, Black, I think, actually does rein it in a bit, but it's just there's too much. There's just too much. And I think part of it is it is this nostalgic trip for Linklater, and he is, like, laying out all of his, these were the TV shows I was obsessed by. Mm-hmm. These were the foods I was obsessed You know, these Pop are... music. He, the, he wants yeah. all these little... De- and a lot of that is really fun for me to watch because it's an era just a little before I was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the the remnants of were still there, you know, like the, those shows were still in reruns. Yeah. They still had that, you know. So I was getting the echoes of that era, and it had been such a profound moment for the country with the moon landing. And so, like, not to mention now what gets downplayed there. I mean, it gets mentioned a little bit. You know, Vietnam is going. Mm-hmm. You have these other like it downplays that other stuff. The thing I would compare this to the most in terms of that mix of nostalgia, looking back at this specific period the voiceover wonder years right i mean yeah, like of this very much felt in in many passages like i was watching some kind of updated version of the wonder years with this more fantastical element thrown in to 
I don't know, but boosted a little bit or something. I, I mean, maybe if Fred Savage played the kid, I would have been in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but but going, at least back, going back to what you had, what you said, Carlos, about it's a film about no conflict. It's a film about that's kind of Linklater's stock and trade. I mean, he is a guy who has, as a filmmaker, again and again and again, asserted that humans just talking and interacting with one another is enough to fuel dramatic interest. Especially like, if the words are you written watch well. You watch Slacker, Dazed and Confused, we're going to talk about in the second half. Uh, Spoiler! <laughs> the, the Before Trilogy, yeah. which do get into these deep topics, but then are really just about a couple people hanging out for the most part. Mm-hmm. The, the, once we get to the third one, it, it, there is more of a relationship sure. stake in the, in the whole thing. But nonetheless, he's, throughout his career, made these films that are very much like the Seinfeld episodes of filmmaking, where it's like, I'm just going to show you these characters with certain dispositions interacting. At least Seinfeld has conflict. But I mean, again, if you're going to lay down the charge. trying to break up with the girl before she breaks up with him. Right. You know, if you're like, going to lay down something. the charge, if you're going to lay down the charge and say, like, this is a flaw, then is is Slacker n- not worth it? Is, is Dazed and Confused not worth it? I mean, that we'll talk about in the second half. Yeah. Slacker, I've only seen once and never cared to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Slacker, and I said this back in episode 53, I'm not a devotee of that film, although I can understand that the success of it certainly launched a lot of great filmmakers and a lot of like, cinema verite and I realize I'm DIY talking out of, filmmaking. I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because Slacker inspires Kevin Smith to make Clerks. I love Clerks. I love Kevin Smith's most of Kevin Smith's movies and yes a lot of those are just people talking to each other uh, so I understand that yeah. I am a man of many contradictions <laughs> well, um, I think you just but, gotta realize that it's it's about if the characters appeal to you like with Clerks you wanna hang out with those guys for an hour and a half so you're willing to go along for it even if there's really no major conflict this one you weren't as compelled by. Yeah. In part, maybe the era is too far in the past for you to really feel connected to it all. It, maybe just the kid wasn't as charismatic a presence and so didn't come across like a Randall or a Dante or, you know, and certainly wasn't going for that joke wise. Even the Jack Black delivered voiceover wasn't really peppered with jokes. No. It was, it was pretty, pretty dry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it had like it, a buoyant feel to it, but yeah. it was not about him making cracks about well, it sounds like the commonality then for any negative to it is the overuse as some here have said tonight of the voiceover i'm not here to tell you because i can't tell you why that worked for me yeah it, it well it didn't throw I was me seeing, off in a huge way i was seeing a series of vignettes about banality and mundanity yeah. if that's a word uh monotony and, Monotony. Well, uh, monotony would mean the same thing over and over, although you may have felt that way. For me, it was, we're not talking about the TV anymore, which were all reruns when I still only had a three-channel television or four-channel if you you include PBS, Mm -hmm. right before cable broke, um, broke onto the scene. Mm Proximity. Well, you had proximity too, Carlos, but you're just younger than me. Proximity. I'm a Texan, baby. Proximity to the Houston area. Um, The idea that he does, I think, wrestle with some big concepts here. Uh, The media instilling fear, while we Mm -hmm. as kids from the very beginning are tuned in to that TV for eight hours, you know, for every waking moment that we have available. Fighting over the television before there was a remote. (laughs) See, Um, I I didn't have siblings for the like first nine years mm-hmm. of my life. And then I had 
like a small baby yeah. running around for the next two years. Sure. The, the, the lack of a cell phone so. where we have to amuse ourselves and how do we do so. These are all things that I found as a snapshot of that time period endlessly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. No, the, the, again, I think I think my my childhood was close enough to it that it did not feel that far removed, even with it being Texas. Yeah. It, it didn't feel that far removed. And it, and it reminded me of those feelings, especially in the summer where there would just be these stretches of time and then there would be these events and, you, you know, like everybody's kind of talking about. And I never had anything in my childhood, I think, quite as profound as maybe the moon landing. But um, but moments like that, like the Olympics happening or the, the, just things that everybody seemed to be watching at the same time. Or the shuttle, kind of the shuttle exploding. Yeah, or, there, that know. was yeah, that was yeah, during was my childhood, thing. 86. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I was really now. The soundtrack, I was pretty impressed by. I think he picks some good cuts from the era, front to back, and that kept me going, mm-hmm. mood-wise. Like, I, I love opening up with the Donovan. I love, you know, moving through all the different, you know, things that, that he touches on. A little bit geared towards garage rock towards the end. Um, there were a couple... It's a good Can Heat in song in there. Yeah. So that that was fun for me. I liked the style of animation. It was visually too. appealing yeah. to me. I watched it with my daughters. They were not as caught up by it, but I think part of it is the distance. Like, it just doesn't feel like... It, it's ancient history. Did they ever them. ask you while watching, really? Was that really? Because it's so <laughs> there different. Were, you from... know, there were a couple things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was having a tough time describing to them, well, this is closer in some ways to your grandfather's era than mine, but it, but close enough to mine that it has parts of that. I don't know. It, it, it was sort of funny. I love that snapshot of the importance of the space race, the fear-based words about population growth yeah. and clear the clear water and clean the clean water and act bills yeah and um like seeing this moment of american evolution that you know he says i think one of the commentaries here is that when have we had such a collective goal Right. Since that space race goal, I love seeing things that I have seen over and over again, like JFK's speech about the um, Essing JFK animated uh, animated uh, the Sound of Music. They go to the movies and they watch I Sound lo- of Music I, I with their the grandmother, and we see the, of the, the rotoscope two D version of, of Sound Shadows. of Music as they're watching. Yeah. yeah, we were obsessed with Dark Shadows this summer. Well, how we were obsessed with Stranger Things a couple summers ago. Yeah. We were yeah. obsessed with that. Now let it's, me see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, I want to uh, watch people watch Stranger Things. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen. It <laughs> is interesting. The uh, I, I want to say split between Carlos and I. David, I'm not sure how far on the spectrum left or right you are uh-huh. here. I, I said I'm closer to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved this movie. I don't want us to get into this habit of, it's the best movie of the year and, you know, wait, well, wait no, until that, the end of the year. I, I and, saved that for, for only spe- for certain kinds. This is certainly not a film that I'm going to announce as the best film of the year. It's not even, if I'm looking at it in Linklater's filmography, I'm going to put it towards the middle of the pack probably for me for me uh, interesting interesting but but interesting. i enjoyed it and i and i'm glad it's out there and it kind of crept up on me it, it was did. it was one under I think the radar it, yeah it, for me the, who takes some interest in his films yeah i had not really heard that he was working on it this and, movie yeah. came out the same weekend as the movie we chose to watch and review the bubble Oops. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but the bubble's being pushed. This one is... It it's wasn't? Like, it's really not being pushed by Netflix, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, and 
Uh, one of the crazy things, so as I was as as I was leaving Austin this morning, Cassidy and Kylie and I were talking about it, and um, you know, I, I I kind of started to formulate my stance on it, and just be like, oh yeah, I don't think this was good, yeah. and and I'm like, you know, I wonder what what critics thought because. Um, we, the night before or two nights before maybe we had been talking about last night in Soho oh, and yeah. Kylie's cousin Austin said that he was like that's probably the most disconnected from like the overall consensus on a film that I'd ever felt because he liked that movie much as I did and then started looking at reviews and mm -hmm. stuff and seeing people like kind of panning it and he mm -hmm. was like wait what's going on did I see a different movie <laughs> and so when I looked it up today to see like what people were thinking about it as the three of us were talking about it. I feel that way about this movie. It's got like a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like people rating, really, yeah. critics really like this movie and I, I'm yeah. a bit confused by it. They're right. <laughs> Linklater does a thing that helped me think of another modern American director or, or international director, this, this long form exploration, the boyhood experiment and uh -huh. how long it took to make that film yeah. as they reconvened every year for right. however many would years. Would that movie has been as good without that though? You know, I, was... I, I don't, I don't know if it would well, have. Again, I'm just saying this experimental thing yeah. that every nine years, eight to nine to 10 years, we're going to re uh, take another look at these before trilogy characters. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll do another one, you know, because I'm sure they have so much fun getting together and making them. But yeah. but in doing that and getting invested in these characters over these periods of time, you begin you can you can sink into old friends when the new one comes out. As I said, I, I love I like this movie so much that I would love to see him. And I imagine that he's even thought about it doing another, you know. 10 years later, 10 years later, 10 years, maybe not 10 years in his life, but exploring what the 80s were like in that micro... Well, he's done it. I mean, he... He has in the live action form, but I'm talking about like these deep oh. cuts like he did this time. Yeah. Well, the space, I mean, we the space backdrop wouldn't be a part of it. I that mean, wouldn't honestly, make any sense. But. We'll, we'll expand on this. I think Dazed and Confused is almost the same concept. Live action. I think the Everybody Wants Some, which was the 80s era follow-up to that very much the same kind of even suburbia concept. i mean he's yeah he, i mean he he makes these films again he does not feel the need to have conflict as much as he does to have detail and like this kind of experiential thing essential conflict because there he, are there are pieces of conflict he likes but, recreating yeah. time and space or capturing time and space that slacker was about capturing a certain moment in austin mm -hmm. where there were these odd characters mm -hmm. that he was just interacting with on a regular basis, and he felt like that was a compelling enough scene that he just wanted it captured. I think Days and Confused was him looking back at his high school era and thinking, "Oh, that would be an interesting moment to just capture." Yeah, and that you know, and I think this was him looking even further into his past and saying, "Hey, here was this moment that I lived in that was really profound because we did this thing that was." almost seemed impossible and then it just became commonplace and then we never did it again and that's something worth capturing and kind of putting on the screen now again they could be, if you're looking for conflict that's not there and that's that that's just not the filmmaker that he often is right and and i get that that for some people that doesn't work and that's why he is not the 
huge uh, name that, you know, say our Tarantino is yeah. or, you know, they, they, again, contemporaries of his, even Robert Rodriguez right in Austin. You know what I mean? Like if we're thinking about filmmakers who've made their impact and uh, found a bigger audience, he's not really. I mean, School of Rock is an exception and that's him directing somebody else's script. That, no, that notable was exception. Doing uh, something, uh, you know. Dipping his toe into right. the traditional Hollywood story. And and being, I mean, he'll take on those projects. Bernie has more of a conflict to it. Yeah. But, yeah. And Bad News Bears, he took pretty reluctantly. Yeah. Because um, he he took it more so I somebody... think he has a baseball background, and that might have tipped it over the edge. Well, just... no. Uh, what it was is he had been asked to do it, and he didn't want to because he didn't think you could remake it. Mm-hmm. And then the studio was insistent on going along, like pushing the project forward and shopped other directors and kind of came back to him at some point and he was like man if i don't do this somebody else that doesn't respect the source material as much as i do is going to do it, and they're really going to fuck it up mm-hmm. so i might as well do it and do the best that i possibly can and that's going to be what it is yeah. um yeah. and you know how, whatever degree of success they he did that too is neither here nor there really but school of rock is a fucking masterpiece i i, I couldn't agree with you more is this beer a masterpiece it's pretty damn solid I mean, I did you I like wasn't this beer, getting Joe? wasn't getting the coffee as much on the nose, but once I started sipping it, it was there, and I was happy to have it uh, reacquaint myself with it because yeah. I remember liking this beer a lot, and I still do. You say Vietnamese coffee, and my mind immediately goes back to just what six, seven, eight weeks ago when we did that Ale Smith Vietnamese the Speedway, stout, the Speedway yeah. stout. Oh yeah. Um, and so I, I don't want to draw a comparison more than I probably should. I think I prefer that beer, but no, this this beer is... Well, that's twice the beer, too. That's like a 10%er. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that no, no, you're right. This is, that's right. This beer, and you know I give a high ABV some points. This beer is solid, and I can completely understand, Carlos, why you would have it at your bachelor party. Uh, for getting, 5%. You can drink this and not yeah. put yourself down. Sure. Uh, it being, yeah, not in, you know, I've seen, we've seen Bachelor Party movies. I guess it didn't go that direction with the 5%, uh, Carlos. Uh, well, no, no so, mule snorting heroin. But <laughs> there certainly wasn't that. But the funny story about <laughs> me, so I got to Houston, I think on a Thursday night because I didn't want to like drive up Friday and then be out all night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Friday morning I woke up in Houston staying at my friend David's house and I went and got a haircut. I went to a couple record shops and then I found myself with nothing to do. None of the people coming to the party had made it into town yet. And I was just kind of wandering Houston and I was not far from eighth wonder and they were open. It was probably like 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just go here. I'll kick it for a little bit. And then I texted everybody. I was like, hey, I'm headed to 8th Wonder whenever you guys get in town. Meet me there. You know, I know some of y'all are, are close-ish. Just meet mm-hmm. me there, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do from there. Uh, and so I got I got one of these. Um, and But the night ended at St. Arnold with... Pumpkinator and other high ABV Ooh. beers, and as you can imagine, it did not end super well. <laughs> uh, well, I like that your foundation was mild. It was. It you, was. you tried to start right. Uh, no, I'm going to suggest this beer to anyone. I'm glad that we're getting it. Are we getting more Eighth Wonder in our stores? Because Foam well, Dome. Have you ever had that? Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, is that a cream ale? It's a cream ale. It's really I'm, good. I think they I have it at it, White yeah. Oak when you go to shows there. I really like that one. One thing I'll say about I, I I like this one better than the Alesmith. Oh yeah. Um, only because I feel like it's more accurate to the description. 
Oh, it totally is. I when just you read the can. Get, when you get a Vietnamese coffee, it's kind of a sweeter coffee. There's oh right, yeah, stuff in there. Yeah, like you know, it, the, the side of the can, sweet and condensed milk. Yeah. yeah, and so this has that sweetness. It is a little sweet, You're along right. with yeah. and and I like that about it. It says a pleasantly robust dark roast, complemented by subtle creamy sweetness. That is a very accurate description. It is That's exactly and what it is. It's tasty, and this is. Five percent. I can't. I'm just sorry. Like the body this has, yeah. the flavor this you has. You expect a higher ABV. You, if you, you would, blindfolded yeah. me and gave this to me, I would have guessed this was an imperial stout, like at least eight, eight nine percent. Like yeah. that. That's where I would have said the baseline was. The fact that this is coming in at five percent and I could be drinking two or three of these in a row. Whoo. Yeah, that's well, nice. Welcome that's nice. to the show, Eighth Wonder. Maybe someday you'll join our esteemed five timers club if they keep sending us stuff yeah keep keep it coming guys all right we are going back or forward in time it's unclear <laughs> kind uh, of both. <laughs> in the second half we're going to talk a little more richard link letter when we return be a lot cooler if you did don't worry i've got a stash don't worry <laughs> hey you know you've got just a few more days if you haven't done us a favor and gone over to the bendmag.com here in our little town we've got one of the best magazines i guess really the the premier what to do in corpus christi and the, and the coastal bin magazine is doing their annual locals list and we have never won podcasts which is a crime I agree. And we want you to help us. It doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to live where we do. To go to thebendmag.com, navigate their beautiful site, and you will find a podcast under the arts and entertainment section. You will see five podcasts that have been, they made it to the final, so to speak, and we are one of them. And this is our year. I can feel it. I We're lucky to be it. counted among those five. I agree. I there's some great, out, yeah. great competitors there. But I agree, Joe. I hope the time has come, and yeah. I want people to, to give us that vote this year. Yes. Yeah, April 25th is the last day of voting. Yeah. So if you were listening to this any time between that day and the day this is released... 420 bro you can still you can still vote man well uh, speaking of 420 I brought us guys I brought my stash I, you you said you did what 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 are you getting on mic here jo- oh I I see independence I brewing we've had them once before do you remember what beer we had way back it was a uh, Blueberry chronic, blue bonnet, blue blue, blue bonnet, bonnet chronic. chronic. Yeah. So, what day Imperial of the year IPA. would it make even more sense to do Independence Brewing's Stash IPA? And I remember when I was first getting into craft beer, and I found a really great craft beer bar that made me understand what a craft beer bar could be up in San Antonio, Texas. Ooh. I saw what this. What bar was that? Flying Saucer. No, what? I'm talking about the uh, Friendly Spot. Oh yeah, that's a great bar. It's Love that. a fan, Have you been friendly spot. Is that really what it's called? It's okay, called friendly spot. It's, it's like a, a big outdoor open space. Oh, no, I've never been there. They've got that Lots vibe with the. Um, there's a style. It's a metal. Oh yeah. Chair and tables, Porch but chairs, it's all different like, colors. Yeah. And they had like 30 taps, including uh, Miles Day, uh, the the bitches brew, which I'd never oh, had yeah, before. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking 10 years ago. Like right. I'd never had that, and they. Oh my God! A beer bar can be a thing, and look at this Austin cool beer. It's Stash IPA, 
which they say is an enlightened hop trip. We're talking 7.5 ABV. Mm. It's been around forever. It's kind of a Texas staple. I don't think we have it pouring anywhere, but I picked this up at our local beer beer, beer porium. It's been a while beer since porium. I've had this. And obviously with the name Stash, you're not going to be surprised. From what I remembered in the past, very dank yeah. nose on it. And I'm I'm just poured some in my glass. Whew. Are they the ones that do big doinks? <laughs> Wait, didn't we do that on the show, though? Yeah, that's the reason so, why I know the answer is no, is okay. because we did do big doinks, and <laughs> did, I did not. Who did that one? I'm going to look right now. Don't worry. <laughs> Are you going to cut title of this episode, big We Did doinks. Big Doinks? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I just, I I remember that being oh one of gosh. the dankest IPAs that in was, recent you're memory. Right, you're right. That, well, that was, was Fair State. Fair State. We just recently had them for the fourth time just a couple weeks oh, ago. The Fair Isle, right? No. No. Fair, Fair Isle was Fair the State. Fair Isle was the one-off uh, farmhouse that yes, we had a yes. few weeks ago. The, Good stuff. The Good Fair stuff. State, wasn't it a farmhouse as well or sour? Or that was the Life Ain't Fair uh, barley wine. Barley wine. Oh, That's yeah. the last time we did yeah. the Fair State. That's when I brought the barley wine because Carlos had just said, the I don't like barley wine. Yeah, I mean, he liked, liked it a little better than the. Yeah, I did, I did, yeah. I did. Okay, so we I got. Had a, I had a different image in my head. So happy for that walk down memory lane we just took. <laughs> happy for High quality broadcasting. We're going to meet 420, I think, with this beer, but I think we're also meeting 420 with an appropriate movie. Yeah, oh, th- what more 420 appropriate movie is there than uh, Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused, right? And uh, we talked about it for five minutes back in episode 53. Y- yeah, that was a weird mm-hmm. blitz of an episode. We, we, were, we were experimenting with format. Yes, we, we were, were, we were yeah. one year and one week old. <laughs> and I think we had done that maybe once or twice before, but I'm glad we have We did it with Carpenter at some point where yeah. we stacked a ton we of... We did. Yeah. And, and, it was and during then, the first All Horror October. Yeah, yeah, which I think was unofficial still at the time. Yeah, think never does that, a right. good. It, I I think I've learned we can never do proper service if we're, we're going to talk that many. Oh no, I remember the episode you're talking about. I was thinking about when we talked with Pink Hat about Halloween, but I guess no, we, we did a Carpenter through the eighties. We did, we did. The, oh, no, no, it was seventies through eighties. It was yeah. they live anyway. So <laughs> days and confused. <laughs> we did not give days and confused its proper due. We didn't. No. We didn't. We just ran over it, and and it's too bad because it is. For better or worse, and we're going to find out where all of us fall on that, it, it is at this point a cult classic of yeah. sorts, where you have this day in the life, end of the year, end of the school year film, um, that's going to resonate with anybody who's going through that phase of their life, even if it is depicting a past era, because of course it is set in 1976, yeah. May 26? I didn't 19... remember that anyway, part. Last day, the of, last school. day of school. Um, everybody's kind of goofing around, going through initiation rituals. This town has a big practice of bringing in the first year, the freshman students, um, essentially torturing them. The boys get paddled relentlessly. Yeah. They get hunted down and paddled. And paddled. And the girls are humiliated in a parking lot and referred to as sluts cons- constantly. Yeah, and they bitch. get everything and, from the pantry poured all over them. Yes. Um, led by Parker Posey in yeah. one of her greatest roles. <laughs> let's, ju- I mean, let's just admit she she really pulls out all the stops here. Uh, May we, I pause and talk about Parker Posey? We go ahead. I hate her. <laughs> oh, in this movie. but you're supposed to. But I'm, I guess I'm supposed to. Yeah. And I came to terms with that when I watched it last night. Oh, you have to. I have always I like I don't like that person, <laughs> but. It's just a character That's that she's doing acting. really, really That's well. That's really good acting. So anyway, we, we go past that to the night where everybody mostly makes amends, and it ends up being kind of a party, but kind of not. And not a whole lot happens, but you are getting this slice of life 
circa 1976, middle of America, in this case, Texas, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of young kids yeah. being wild. And of course, copious marijuana smoking along with beer drinking, but but a lot of marijuana smoking. A lot of beer and drinking. And sex seeking. <laughs> yeah, sure. but not a whole lot of actual sex no. on display. No. And no, no nudity, right? Nope. No. no. Uh, the, this is one of those movies I was thinking about it as I was watching. This came out in 1993, right? Yeah. Right. And what Hot American Summer comes out in like 2000. Seven years later. Yeah. Eight years uh, later. Singles comes out in 93 too. But it's almost this. Those are almost two like movies a decade apart that consisted of a ton of people that would go on to be in a class of a generation of actors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's yeah, it's crazy. And then Do you want to go in a circle and play a game where we list them all until someone can't? <laughs> I'll uh, go first, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know he was in this one. Uh, it's not like he it's not like he has I just wanted to get him out of the way. Incredibly iconic line like every yeah. fucking line he delivers is like a quotable in he lending is to that culture. culture you know? I mean, he is like lightning on screen in this film. This is this is his finest performance perhaps. I, he so embodies the role of O'Banion. There's just there's no, no separation. It's one actor. Perfectly. Ben Affleck is O'Banion. Yeah. Oh, I was talking about Affleck. Oh, oh, we were talking thought, about McConaughey. I'm oh, we sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> but let's talk about him. Let's I, talk, I, I, no, I, let's talk about Ben Affleck because this is my favorite kind of Ben Affleck role. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's the at douche. the height of his powers. Uh, McConaughey yeah, too, actually. They're both at the height of their powers. These are both like perfect characters for these actors, yeah. especially in this moment. Yeah, but but the cast list is just ridiculous no, in this movie, we don't which have to was, play the game which is the point that i was yeah. arriving at um that being said not my favorite movie uh it's not my favorite movie it might be mine <laughs> <laughs> so, so kylie loves this movie and i actually watched it for the first time with her like a year and a half ago yeah or in episode 53 you said that you had just seen it within like a few months yeah okay. so for the first time i would have just watched it we've been dating four years and Mm -hmm. so like in my late 20s at some point is when i saw this movie for the first Uh time and i remember like feeling a little underwhelmed but thinking that it more has to do with like expectation and like how much this movie is talked about and how great people say it is Uh, but then having watched it recently again a second time it's because it's that meandering stuff that i don't really like but I knew that I was going to say this when we were talking about the first movie because this film does have good performances that I can latch on to and yeah. like ride through the film on. And some iconic that, lines you know? you've already and some pointed iconic out. Lines. Yeah. And so, and, and the, the whole thing like, oh, I know that guy from something. I know that guy from something, <laughs> you know, like even... You know, even someone like Cole Hauser, that's not like a household name, but I've seen that guy. But he stuck around. He's still, he still grinds some stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so... You know, obviously McConaughey's in it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, C- Rory Cochrane, yeah. who, who is just recently on WTF, g- good episode, and he's done roles like consistently, but he has gone for these darker, quieter characters. Honestly, he almost mm-hmm. never gets dialogue yeah. characters anymore. But you know, I just 
I want there to be a thing. Have you ever seen we're, you know we're seeing, I mean? this? Is like, you're establishing? I mean, Linklater is not your guy, and I get it. If, so if you're bizarre. not, if you if you're not pulled in by that, again, like he's just happy to give you a snapshot yeah, in time. It's simple. This is very American graffiti, right? Oh, I mean, it, like this is the that Linklater the film. said so. I mean, yeah. I wanted to duplicate that for my high school year. Yeah, and and. And that comes across, nothing really happens in American Graffiti, but it's just this moment in time that's yeah. kind of pregnant for these people. Like, mm-hmm. they're all on the precipice of something different. The one, the ones who are going to take over the school as the leaders, the ones who are coming in as the kind of underlings who yeah. are going to have to... And the the relationships the, that get The formed. Harrison Ford character. The guy yeah. who's a little bit too old to be hanging out with all Literson, these people, but yeah. is still into that scene. Yeah. Um, you know, there's... I, I didn't. I don't want to interrupt, but I have no. a lot to say. <laughs> um, I think with every subsequent viewing of this movie, and I don't think I had watched it since we watched it for episode fifty-three. Mm-hmm. That's that's that many weeks ago. Do the math. I no. <laughs> okay, I don't blame you. I'm not going to. Over two years ago. There you go. I we watched it last night. Yeah. Uh, Aislinn is excited to watch it. It's one of her favorites. It had been just long enough. Mm-hmm. My daughter's never watched it. She is 16. Mm-hmm. She is this age. The age of the people who are young. I said, hey, and I can't get this girl to watch a movie. It's a story I have in After Hours. I Patreon.com slash Beer Movie Podcast. I said, <laughs> hey, we're going to watch a movie. I'm asking because I'm always going to. It's Dazed and Confused. And she said, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that tonight. So we popped popcorn and we did the whole thing. During the hazing scenes for the boys and the girls... She was like, did that, did that really, really happen? happen? Yeah, yeah. Like, that is so outside of any life that I could live. Yeah. That I can't even, this is a fiction, correct? <laughs> it's like, no, I uh, witnessed the female ritual. You did? I witnessed that. Really? Yes. Oh, see, I never had that kind of proximity to it. I yeah, was aware of like fraternity initiation stuff when I was in college that it's a college thing out. though not a no, but but I'm, not, I'm talking high like school the, to be yeah. clear to be yeah. clear I'm talking high well, school no, I, no. I didn't experience it yeah but that's what I was saying is that I too experienced it but not until college so in high school mm-hmm. I mean not firsthand, but you understand what it, I'm saying and then um, so there's there you see here perfectly all of the cliques that anyone can totally relate to you see the jocks you see the intellectuals you see the mean girls you know and the intellectuals are the like buoyant critical analysis of what is happening at all times yeah there is so much male aggression here i want to get into a fight yeah (laughs) because i've never done that before yeah um but during the hazing ritual can you imagine this seems like the entire community is endorsing this yeah yeah. and they did yeah the parents knew what was going on and didn't stop it the the teachers knew what was going on the one teacher in junior high is laughing because (laughs) Well, not even laughing, but saying, you know, I'm sending you men into battle and right. only half of you are going to return. <laughs> right. But that's only when they go up to get excused early. Yeah, yeah. Earlier, he's just laughing because uh, yeah, the guys yeah. are outside to bust these kids' asses. Yeah. And this is what we do every single right. year. Now, that is gone. And so my point being, this is a masterpiece, this film, in that every single viewing, and I encourage you, Carlos, to give it another try in a couple of years, you see the deep richness that is almost, almost Godfather-esque in the notion of every time you watch it, you see another layer, <laughs> there needs to be a sound another effect level. For that. <laughs> the, prob- the difference between The Godfather and this film is The Godfather is a perfect movie. And this film is imperfect. And I could talk about some imperfections. I don't want to hog the mic. But 
I am so believing that. You know what movie I don't like is The Big Lebowski very much. And when I say that to some people, they fucking have a heart attack. I, I'm not having a heart attack. I don't want but anyone to have a heart attack. My mouth is open and I'm like, a gate. And I'm not going to have a heart attack if Carlos doesn't like Dazed and Confused as no, much you as don't I ha- do. No, I'm not somebody who's like, you got to like what I like. I'm, I'm totally comfortable with this not being, but I'm glad that we've, we've determined. And there's very few films that we're going to encounter that do this, but I like the filmmakers who do. Like Linklater is, is ballsy enough to just do it, to just take that approach to filmmaking that is going to off like right off the top alienate a ton of people from his stuff just in pursuit of that kind of experiential richness i think he wants to drop you in what you say joe i agree with there is a richness to this film a depth to the characterization the period detail the soundtrack it all gels in a way i think if you allow it to that really feels like this captured moment in time false right i mean it hides all kinds of stuff as much as it reveals oh it is magnified by very, memory yeah the but same a, way that the rose tinted glasses to a certain extent which is the danger right i mean like there is part of this that sort of paints this stuff in almost a nostalgic light where savannah's reaction is the right one like i can't believe people would live yeah. through this like right. you, you wouldn't do we this. wouldn't stand for it Right, right. Uh, when she, when the freshmen have to kneel before the seniors and mm-hmm. say, "I'll do oh, anything yeah. you want," and yeah. then the, you know, the oral sex simulation. We have to see it because I fucking watched it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it is real. Yeah. So I think that the that the magnification, right? The magnification through time makes it even more fascinating that well, this is where we were. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of crazy masculinity in this film. Oh, sure, yeah. But it was accurate for that timepiece. Ben Affleck is and just toxic losing femininity it. for oh, that listen, matter. Uh, yeah, when ben, when yeah. ben Affleck gets dumped in the paint, yeah, and he reacts the way that he reacts, he runs back over to the yeah. emporium and he's fucking. I, you could tell he was given a wide angle and a lot of room because <laughs> how often are we going to dump the paint on you? It's all yeah. rehearsal up until that point. Yeah. His reaction, the slamming of the paddle, him getting in the car, and then we never see him again in the yeah. whole movie. That's great. It, that is a, it, that's, it's it's fantastic cinema. Yeah. And that performance is fantastic <laughs> and, and real and it's accurate. Great. It's great. You know? No, Ben Affleck's he's yeah. great in this movie. Just like Parker Posey's great in this movie. Yeah. Um, Jason London's fine. Uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of cracks in Jason London's performance, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, a lot of cracks. notable uh, um, 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 distractions hmm. in some of his acting. Uh, but that's that's just me. And then uh, you know, as we've said, Parker Posey she can't can't get much better than no, she's great. Better. She's fantastic. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Jo- Joey Lauren Adams does pretty well too, and in her in her dynamic well. Parker Posey is good. I mean, there's lots of great. Wiley Wiggins is good. I, I think Wiley w- Wiggins does Mitch pretty well. I, 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 oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's difficult to believe that he had, that that the older girl that he hooks up with uh, that was is difficult to believe. Yeah, uh, but he pulls that fast one on yeah. O'Banion. I mean, that that totally w- wins her over. Good and point. He, he includes her on the scheme. No, he's a smooth operator there. He, and he had advice along the way from all of his mentors. He did. Here's how you do he did. it. It's one, not good. It's not good. One thing that I noticed about his performance, or like really Kylie pointed out, I wasn't going to be mm-hmm. that guy to 
to do it, but she was she started imitating him when he's outside he, of the emporium and he keeps like grabbing yeah. like in between his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's man. so notable. It's the most unnatural yeah. like motion I've ever seen. He, he, but it but for some reason, yeah, but I it's buy like it. He's nervous and he's got to do no, something. Google it. He's good yeah. and it makes I like believe that that's a thing he would do. Even yeah. though it's a thing I've never seen anybody do. Like it's he, the, Google so it. Weird. He tell he as an older adult tells the story of exactly why that happens in that one scene. And it's all about uh, Google it. It's interesting. <laughs> I'll have to, I, I, I would be very interested to see that, but because it's an interesting movie and now it's hooking its claws into it. <laughs> but the performance is really good. I think is what I was getting. Well, that's, and it could that's, be totally wrong. But, and that's yeah. a lot of the richness there. I think it's just like, if you can roll with it and just enjoy these kind of like moments between these, cause it's all very, all very funny little vignettes on their own, like these interactions they're having. Uh, Adam Goldberg, right? Adam mm-hmm. Goldberg, yeah. He's ridiculous. Mike. He's oh, so yeah. funny. He is ridiculous. And Anthony Rapp is pretty good as his straight man. Right. But th- they kind of have an interesting, like, comic duo element. Marissa Rabisi actually adds to it she's, when it becomes she's the a trio. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there, so there's some great moments with those characters. <laughs> then Olin, then Matthew McConaughey comes in, hits on her. Mm-hmm. She starts primping and and checking her. She's flush. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What's, <laughs> that guy was a creep. No, I thought he was kind of cute. I mean, that is social politics within those, yeah. you know, within those groups. At that time, yeah. I asked Savannah when it was over, like, how much has changed since then? Forget the hazing part. You know, forget the beatings. Yeah. <laughs> forget the forget. publicly endorsed beatings. Yeah, forget the blatant abuse. <laughs> but I saw it happen. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, uh, how much of it has changed? Yeah, the geeks. The, the they weren't geeks. They were just the intellectuals. I call them the you different know, cliques yeah. and the way that people interact. How? Uh, and she said, "It's all the same. It's all the same." Yeah. It's always yeah. going to be. I want to be in this group. I don't want to be in that group. Yeah. You know, it's right. So right. I think that there's this snapshot quality that I admired in Apollo 10 and a half as well yeah. of just show me what it's like. Cause to me, this movie feels like because the, the new wave of Hollywood was in the seventies, right? Late sixties uh-huh. into the seventies. And we have seen the birth of the high school film really in the eighties. Right. I think, you know, the, the what we know it to be. Yeah, John Hughes. So this is him in 93 making an 80s film supposed to be happening in the 70s. And I think that the the the, the camera work, the, the attention to detail in the cars and the clothing and everything, it's as if it was made then and mm. was just the 16 Candles of Breakfast Club made in 1976. Yeah, yeah. yeah I and I that. think that there is a power to that. Like, that's... That, to think that this right. was his follow-up to Slackers, which was so low budget and so, you know, not great cinematography to this lush, <laughs> yeah, Don't complete film, you know? Yeah, no, it is a much different look. It's a much more professional looking film. I can't... It was let... one small step for McConaughey, one giant leap for Richard Linklater. That's right. What did y'all think of the soundtrack? Pretty giant been... leap for McConaughey, too. You sell the Became soundtrack on vinyl. Became an iconic screen presence almost with his first role. Yeah, but but did, did his career go zero, zero to one hundred after this, or was he still? No, no, zero to one hundred was a time to kill. Yeah, that, he'll, he'll tell you that. But he never would have gotten that without this. I don't think so. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, Joe, I I, I think I'm much more in league with you in this one, obviously. Um, but You're I, but very I can, diplomatic tonight. Yeah, I can I can accept that some people it's not their cup of tea. I have a much harder time accepting that you're so down on the Big Lebowski. <laughs> no, I didn't, hold on, I didn't say so down. It's just I don't get 
the cultishness of it. I have laugh you, every time I watch have it. Have you ever had a white Russian? <laughs> I know the dialogue from the film, but have I ever enjoyed one? Yeah. I'm, yes, of course. And you don't understand this movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, maybe we should do it for the show and you guys can enlighten me. But I, we'll we can't move on without you guys talking about yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah. I've been dying to hear y'all's take on this soundtrack. It's. A, I mean, it's fine. It's, I, you know, uh, we talked about it with Licorice Pizza, I think is what it was. And my kind of hang up about soundtracks that are revolving around a certain era or a certain looking back at a time in the past or whatever. Cause it's like, yeah, we knew what all the great songs were from then. We've been, yeah. we've had, we've had the time to figure that out to put in a movie. And I mean, I'm certainly not mad that black Sabbath is on the soundtrack. I mean, there's good songs on the soundtrack, but yeah. it's, it's not one that that blows me away or anything like that. Cause it's, you know, I, I'm a fan. I mean, and, and, Obviously, I've I've disagreed with Carlos when we were talking about Licorice Pizza. I think you know Paul Thomas Anderson, his music supervisor, they, they did an incredible job picking some great songs, many of which I would consider deep cuts. Some of which I would say are relatively easier choices to make. But I think similar similarly with this. I mean, the soundtrack to me is a stunning uh, example of when you get it right in terms of picking the kinds of songs. I mean, it really creates a certain aura. It's a very hard rock oriented, um, you know, Aerosmith hard right out pop. of the gate, yeah. ZZ Top in there, Ted Nugent. I mean, it's it's just front to back. And what's amazing is how many songs they pack in because it's a like... A lot of songs. And I never get annoyed by it. I never feel like it's... Because I'm like, nope, keep it going. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it's Low rider, sure, bring it on. It's, Let's see. it's integrated into the editing format of the film and it's also exactly what they're doing that night the music never stops yeah it, it's it's almost diegetic to a certain extent because of course they're playing these in their cars in their cars in and the that's all they're doing is driving the, yeah. around trying to find the spot to party and all yeah that stuff. so yeah it, i mean it there are I, there are articles that will say that sweet emotion is cliche because of this soundtrack that when the soundtrack came out in 93, and it was a bigger hit than the movie was. I mean, the soundtrack is. Is, is in every... Let me tell you. It was in everyone's CD collection, I'll tell you. Probably mm-hmm. tape collection. Uh, probably. Yeah, I know more about this. The crossover. Yeah, I mean, during that, the crossover period. Like, you're absolutely uh, right. Some people did have it on tape, I'm sure. It, that yeah. tape's not clear. In 93, <laughs> I feel like CDs were still not cheap. They weren't cheap, but but a lot of people. I mean, I was in high school then, and I think it was. We, we were definitely like most of my friends and I were were buying CDs by then, but just barely. But that was also if you could afford the CD player, you could probably afford CDs. That's fair. Yeah, we it's neither here nor there. Yeah, anyway, uh, no, I, I like the rabbit hole. I will say this: <laughs> um, when the rag- uh, that rabbit hole was very Richard Linkletter esque. It was just <laughs> looking at a, a, a right. slice in time. When they come into the Emporium and we're introduced to the inside of it, it's slow motion Bob Dylan Hurricane. Yeah. It, that, it's a great I, I will put that in the top five, uh, top five cinematic scenes of all time. That's yeah. wild. Mm-mm. Watch it again. Shot. And I don't think it's bad. I, but watch it again. The slow line. motion walk in. <laughs> the hello. I'll watch it more closely. I mean, I've I've, I've that been... tracking shot of the Copacabana and in, in the Goodfellas. Yeah, okay, above it, it for tracking walk in shots. But this one, watch it again, man. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll I'll really focus next time. I I feel like I would have been more wowed by it already. I'm annoying myself right now. 
soundtrack's still a big deal, though. I mean, people still go nutty for it when it gets reissued. If they get a reissue, of and it, there's yeah. two volumes of it. It's yeah. a double disc, and there's two double. There's two Dang. different ones. Did it come out originally as a double, or was it a success sequel type of? They released record? one right away, and then the next year, '94, they released a yeah, more that, days than confused or whatever. Yeah. 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 I wonder if the original was a double. I think it might have been a double LP. We'll look it up for after hours. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, I I don't know. We 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 know where everybody stands on Dazed and Confused, and uh, if and if, on Ben Affleck, and on Ben Affleck, which universally praised for a, a rareness. <laughs> I I feel like anytime we, Ben Affleck's rarity. being a douche, he's great at it. Mallrats right. crushes it. Yeah, you're kind of right. Parts of Dogma kills it. Uh, yeah, he is kind of a douche. Goodwill Hunting, he's you know kind of he, he's more likable than he is, but he's he's douchey. <laughs> Maybe not a douche, but has douche like tendencies. Is that the trick? Like, I need to be able to be, I need to be willing to see Bruce Wayne as a douche. It would have sure. worked. Or, or was it a leap to larger budget films? Because he broke in Armageddon. Well. Do you mean why he stops playing the douchey roles? No, why the decline, in my opinion, of overall creative output in the acting field. From Ben Affleck? Yes. Well, I think he got with kinda, a couple of, you know, little peaks here and there. He probably got tied up with directing and and he you know, he seems to always have wanted to be like the leading, handsome, you know, font. Fond but over, is that the I guess. best place for him? Well, it's not. So that's a problem is that what he's always wanted to be the leading actor to mm-hmm. get nominated for his role in Argo to, you know, being the love interest, like all of those leading man type of things that like George Clooney is, it seems like Ben Affleck always kind of wanted to be when he could have been better. His career might have been better suited from a quality perspective. Yeah at like character acting type of stuff. Mm. Um, but you know, it's really, All right. I can agree with that. Oh, Welcome to smashes. Ben Affleck corner. <laughs> this is the one time when I, when I will allow it <laughs> in reference to O'Banion and, uh, and, and coming off that. You yeah. didn't allow it during the Tinder bar. No, uh, no. We almost watched was okay the last that. duel instead of days. Oh. Cause I've seen days confused before. So obviously I like had to see Apollo 10 and a half yeah because I'd never seen it right. I could probably rely on my memory for Days Confused if possible but as soon as like you know we were talking about watching The Last Duel mm-hmm. and then I was like oh yeah that, that reminds me I've got movies for the podcast I need to watch and as soon as I said Days and Confused everybody was like yep put it on right now yeah you <laughs> the could, whole you room could, enthusiastic about it you could it. put it on at and any time I certainly time, wasn't mad but and you could you could tune it in at any time and just pick right up into wherever it is. That's true. Made Such, made for cable, man. Made for movie. syndication. Yeah, made for dropping into it. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a party movie. It's a party movie. That's Put a, it on a, that party movie it, list. It's a good party movie, too, yeah. I'd say, on the scale of party movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take that. Uh, that'll be my positive takeaway from <laughs> I think the episode. It, I think it was the birth of the party movie. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. That's a whole other <laughs> That's a whole other <laughs> for another day. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll stash that one away. Uh, for later. You guys like that? One? Stash <laughs> away that transition, baby. <laughs> I think that the hand motion sold it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's man, sometimes if, podcasting if uh, just literally just hamstrings you. Yeah, yeah, sorry, man. So what are y'all thinking about this uh, stash IPA? I know we've all had Dank it as it ever mic. was, yeah. man. I, I mean, it's funny because I do not drink IPAs like this very often anymore where that go for like that dank hop profile. Right. But 
it's kind of fun to go back to. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who, as long as it's balanced enough, I'll go there. And the yeah. it's light enough in body. It's not too sweet. Like it's right on the edge. It feels like seven and a half percent, right? Yeah. So it's getting into that like multi IPA, almost on a double IPA territory. But it stays just on the other side. The hops are right there. Man, I could. I I'm so glad you brought this. It it's it's one of those things where you could say that's a style I don't normally like, but I like it when it's done well and stash does it well. And it's why it's been on taps across Texas for it's a, a little old. I just looked at the date. Yeah. I'm like, I this is like six date. months old. It, yeah. yeah it's about look at the yeah. date because I had, we had to match 420, right? We had to match. Well, and, and, that, and that's, a, but that to me, that's actually a pretty good, uh, testament to how good this is yeah it hasn't been into something wrong which means it's probably died off a little bit this would probably be even danker if you had it a couple months ago well i was just saying if you find someone that does a style well of course you're going to want to visit it and that's the case with this stash yeah and that's why i think it's been on taps all across texas for as long as it has they are a texas kind of craft beer go-to for that dank style ipa and the reason is because they they do a good job oh and you know i'll go I'll go out on a limb and say Independence highly slept on, and you're right, and wildly you're underrated. Because right. now that I'm thinking about all the beers that I've had from them, Josh and Josh and my buddy Devin are like red bud diehards. They love. And what's the, what is that one? That's, it's a Berliner Weiss. Yes, they love that beer. You know, I get it mixed up with the Red Bird that Shiner oh, used yeah. to do. I yeah. used to like that one Ruby with the Red grapefruit Bird and the ginger. Yeah, um, yeah. There was. I mean, there was probably like a year or so where there was always Red Bud in the fridge because yeah, Josh would bring some or Devin would bring some to leave with us. They for the sold next that they came back. Yeah, they sold it at I, at um, ACL. So oh, in the heat of the sense. day, mm. a few years ago, I remember that one was just a good one to yeah. enjoy a beer, but refreshing and cooling. But then they have peach emoji, which is like a peach oh, yeah. sour that. that's, that's good. really good. Yeah. Uh, the Convict Hill, I think is what it's called, an oatmeal stout that they do. Their mm-hmm. stout's an oatmeal stout. That's really good. And I just can't think of a time where I've had an independent beer, beer and, and I've like, been oh, like, fuck this, you know? And so the fact that... They're unsung. Unsung, yes. yeah. I would suggest a couple of our local brewers that can lead with the best shit. Lead with the stuff that's really, really tasty. Yeah, because that this stash is is at my store means it's uh, now uh, you know we made all these connections tonight. Mm. Yeah, that's gonna go in my fridge a little more often. Yeah, yeah. I, would I would like it so. if my retailer cared about that canning date. <laughs> well, but know. when it's we posted you, something we start about buying that, more of it, and, it, and it'll it'll. Well, I was gonna say when we posted true. that on our Facebook page, we, like that we told a story about canning dates yeah. and after hours. There was a lot of comments about. I mean, that this is a widespread problem. Yeah, I don't want to. Something people will take intention with. Yeah, I think it's all about the customer base too. If we begin demanding that they be as fresh as the retailer suggests they be, you can't sell this to me or anyone. Sorry, four twenty. That's a little too. We're gonna unionize the beer drinkers. (laughs) (laughs) We demand freshness. Why not? We do demand freshness. Uh, we do, though. Uh, yeah. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm glad we got to revisit the stash IP because it had been a while for me as well. And it turns out holds up. Really aside, well. aside from Carlos's detestment of Apollo 10 and a half, there was no m- real failure tonight. I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 And even that, it, it, it allowed us to work some things out. We, we learned a lot about Carlos. I learned about a lot Carlos, about myself, yeah. And you learned about yourself. <laughs> I like we that. hope you did, too. 
Yeah, and if you did learn something about yourself this episode, please let us know <laughs> what it was. I mean, the great thing about being in a movie and the reason that we should be the 2020 Locals List winner for Best Podcast in the Coastal Bend is because the, the conversation doesn't end when the show ends. It continues, uh, and you can find us in a wide variety of different places like your favorite social media platforms uh we are on twitter at beer movie show instagram at beer and a movie facebook.com slash beer and a movie tx beer and a movie podcast.com has so much beer and a movie for you it'll make your head spin you can <laughs> find these like really great like curated collections of episodes whether it be around a director or a horror october or whatever the case may be that have been collected there uh, you can find a link to our merch or you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash beer and a movie to get all of your beer and a movie merch shirts Mugs, etc. Joe, do you have something? We're about to put up the Ty West episode icon because he earned his spot mm-hmm. on the webpage. Nice. Oh, yes, yes. We have visited him multiple times at this point. Um, but yeah, you can find the merch there. Um, there's this beer map that has all sorts of great stuff on it so you can see all the different beers we've had from all of the different places again this is all beerandmoviepodcast.com but you can also find a link to our discord we have a discord now and it's been popping off uh it's a good time over there so if you want to share your favorite film memes if you want to see what's spinning on the turntable or go to david's country kitchen uh there's a lot we talk of food folks <laughs> we talk food folks not just beer and movies um so that's a great time as well we've been having fun over there and if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate and subscribe algorithm blah 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 you know the drill um this has been another uh nostalgic and uh, smoky uh, <laughs> episode of beer in a movie until next time well you know how memory works even if he was asleep he'll someday think he saw it all <laughs>